It was a, a, a mistake that would uh, cost them millions. I don't know how you spend your New Year's Day, but on New Year's Day 1962, uh, a group of uh, scruffy lads that uh, owned guitars, they'd recorded a demo tape. And they gave it to a guy called Dick Rowe. Now, Dick Rowe uh, was the producer at uh, Decca Records. Nobody knows Decca Records anymore. If you've got one, you've got a fortune. <laughs> uh, he reputedly told them, having heard the, uh, the demo tape, that guitar bands are on their way out and described them as outdated, irrelevant in the 1960s. George Martin, a producer at EMI, reacted very different to the boys. These boys called themselves an odd name, the Beatles. And as soon as he heard their raw sound, he actually signed them up. And within two years, John Paul, George and Ringo had multiple chart-busting hits in the UK and America and coined the phrase that we now know as Beatlemania. It swept across the world and Martin found himself at the centre of the biggest music story still of all time. Since then, one billion records made by the Beatles have been sold worldwide and they are still being sold. Chances are that you've got one, either a CD or on your... um, or on an MP3 player, or, not, or something that begins with I. Somewhere you've got something. And maybe guitar groups weren't on their way out after all. But what happened was that Decker's decision actually cost them millions and millions of pounds, and EMI's decision uh, gained them millions and millions of pounds. One day, New Year's Eve, nine, New Year's Day, 1962, one day... Two reactions, two very different outcomes. And this story could be repeated millions and millions of times over, couldn't it? A sports match. Somebody watching a young football team. The scout is there. One scout sees a star. The other one sees a donkey that will never play football ever again. A a fashion show. Two designers walk in. The one uh, sees uh, a genius, the other one sees it's just an absolute mess. Who's going to buy that? And what we know is that with these great decisions, time alone tells who is right. And all events are like that. It's exactly the same with the events of Easter, not, not the sort of chocolate Easter egg bunny type of Easter, but the real Easter. The first Good Friday Easter Sunday 2,000 years ago. And that Friday, which (laughs) strangely enough has been called Good Friday, wasn't actually good for three particular men. These three men were uh, sentenced to be executed in in one of the most brutal um, ways ever invented by mankind. They, They were whipped, they were scourged, they were forced to carry a a wooden beam through the streets of the city. They would die in agony. Uh, It would take hours for them to die. They were placed on a a rubbish 
tip, a hillside outside the city, just to, to, just to demonstrate how awful that these people were. They would have nails placed through their hands or wrists or through their feet or through their ankles. And part of it was that the crowd would be free to come and mock these three people nailed on a cross. Three crosses, three men, all hanging in a row. The two men on the either side were criminals. In fact, we might even call them today terrorists. They were guilty of terrible crimes and they were paying for their actions. But the man in the, the middle uh, was different. He'd, uh, he'd been the leader of a, a, a movement that had risen and uh, had got followers to it. And, and he was saying that he could answer the, the great questions of life itself. He claimed to know the way to live and what life meant. He claimed the that he could tell you the way to find God. And his name was Jesus. He actually came from a small northern town in Israel called Nazareth. And he described himself as God's king, God's Christ. When he said this, it caused shock and uh, astonishment to the people around him, his countrymen, that he claimed to be God's only son. He said that he was God, but I'm in human skin. And as they nailed him to a criminal's cross, he actually looked nothing the sort. He'd already endured, like the other two, hours of beating, mockery and torture. And the Roman soldiers who carried him out uh, to the execution, they'd stripped him. And actually, because he had claimed to be the king of the Jews, they made a little sign and they nailed it to the top of his cross. And a man called Luke, who researched the story of this man, he records what happened next. And he says this. He said, the people stood watching and the rulers, well, they sneered at him. And they said, He saved others, let him save himself, if he's the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers who came up, they mocked him and they they offered him something that that was made from wine and vinegar. And they said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals that was hanging right next to him hurled insults to him and said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now, most people there that day would re- reacted in the same way to this Jesus as he hung dying on this cross. They looked like you would look, and they saw a, a failure. They saw a fake. They thought it's impossible that this crucified mess could be a king. Even one of the criminals right next to him had got time to insult him as he died. But there is 
another view. Luke's account doesn't end there. Because one man reacted very differently to what was going on. The other criminal rebuked him, the first criminal. Don't you fear God? Can you imagine this going across, across some crosses? Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, but we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is an alternate view of the same death, of the same event. The second criminal was dying and he knew that he deserved to die because he said, we're getting what our deeds deserve. But as he looked at Jesus dying next to him, he understood something. He said, look, this man has done nothing wrong. He realized that Jesus was not like him. He deserved to die, but Jesus did not. And this criminal had decided something else too. He decided that that sign that the Roman soldiers had put actually as a point of mockery above Jesus' head was actually, ironically, absolutely spot on. He recognised that the man that was on a cross next to him was Jesus, was Jesus, the King. And he thought that the place that Jesus would rule over was a place that would be beyond death. And he looked at Jesus and he saw into the future. And he turned to this bleeding, dying man that was next to him and he said, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus' answer, which actually has changed thousands and thousands of lives and death ever since, was this. I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. One day, we call it Good Friday, two reactions. Rejecting Jesus as irrelevant or recognizing Jesus as King Jesus and as King of the future. And according to Jesus, two very different outcomes. The man on one, the one side died as he, as he deserved. The man on the other side had a place in paradise that he did not deserve. As one man faced the end, leaving behind everything that he had and had done, the other faced a beginning, a new beginning, leaving behind all the mistakes that he had made. Yet he could look forward to a wonderful life beyond death. One day, two reactions, two very different outcomes. But of course, Jesus was just a defeated, dying man on a cross. 
How could anyone trust a word that he said? After all, he was the one that had promised he was the way to get to heaven, who promised he would come back to life after dying. But they would all watch as they took the corpse away and placed it in a tomb. They would all watch as his friends and family grieved like bereaved families do when they've lost someone that they love. And in time, they would all realize, just like we all realize, that we have to go back to normal life as people always do. Until three days later, when Jesus' tomb was found empty. Now that's odd enough that you find an empty tomb. That's scary enough. But then, that same morning, Jesus appeared to one of his closest friends, Mary, and spoke with her and talked with her. And that afternoon, he went for a walk with two guys that he had previously known before. Then in the evening, he met with 12 of his closest friends and decided that the good thing to do at that point would be to have dinner together. And then a few weeks later, he would be in the company of 500 people, all at the same time. There was no doubt about it. Jesus was alive The claims he'd made himself were true. He was God's king. You know, it's easy when we uh, hear about something that is uh, far off. uh, And even when Jesus died, to to think about ourselves as uh, onlookers, Uh, and passes by, uh, and we can look at it as an event in history. We can look at it as something that happened way, way back then. But actually, we're not. Our place in the events of Good Friday is actually in the place of those two criminals I know that sounds outrageous that I've just placed you on a cross. Um, But just as they were both facing death, so are we. We may not be going to die on a cross, but if eggs is eggs, we're, we're going to die one day. It's the only certain fact that you have got in your life. And it's... It's just that that pair deserved to experience death that's what we would say wouldn't it they they deserve to and and so do we just as those criminals had chosen to risk and pay the consequence of ignoring the rulers of their day so have we but we have chosen to ignore god as our ruler we actually live in the world that he created we enjoy the bodies 
uh, that he made for us. We, we take the gifts that, that we have been given us. We take the health when it comes and the wealth when it comes our way and, uh, and the creation when we walk on it and the love and the happiness that, that is offered to us. And then what we do with all that is that we choose to live our lives our own way. We decide that our rules are better than his, that we, we can live better by our standards than we can by his. We decide to make our own decisions, thinking that our decisions are much better than his. Instead of accepting that actually we're not in charge, he is. And people reject God in different ways, don't they? Some uh, reject him, and you can see that by doing awful uh, things that have been recorded in history. Others are really quite nice. They are respectable uh, people, but they're just not interested in God. Curiously, many people actually reject God while uh, following a, a religion. But naturally, and by nature, we all ignore God. We ignore the way that he would like us to live. I, I do it. You do it. We, we do it. The Bible uh, puts it this way. It says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, and if we look at hard enough, we can see the effect of our sin on other people, on other relationships around us. We have been confronted, haven't we, with the tearful eye or a broken heart that, that we have actually caused. However good that we like to think we are, there are things that we have said and there are things that we have done that we will regret. But what we can't see is the effect that our sin has had in our relationship with the God that created us. Now, a couple of years ago, the, the author of this booklet, that big pile over there, um, was travelling down uh, the motorway and came to uh, one of those points where it says that a road works and you have to drive at 50 miles an hour and the road narrows. Steve look, is looking at me intensely because th- I think he knows what I'm going to say now. Because what he thought was, well, it's not so... Uh, busy at this time, maybe I can just, you know, push up the, the pedal a little bit more, you know, 55, 60, 65, 70. The trouble was that he had some passengers and the passengers decided that they would tell him um, how to drive the car. At that point, he got very angry with them, saying that he was the driver and how dare they, and their relationship was under strain as they drove uh, at 70 plus through the roadworks in the narrow lanes. They weren't talking to one another. What he didn't know was at the same time that his relationship with them was breaking down because of his sin, that his relationship with the police was also breaking down. Because a month later, what happened became clear. Because he got one of those letters that sort of fall on your, through your letterbox that, uh, that, that you know that you have done something wrong. And it said that he would need to face 
prosecution. And the prosecution that came was that he was fined and that he had points added to his license. And I'm sure his friends told him how guilty that he was. See, our sin changes our relationship with God. It prevents us from being his friends. It makes us his enemy. And there's a punishment for breaking the law. There's a consequence for ignoring God and his world. If we continue to ignore God, then we will eventually lose all the good things that God has given to us. The happiness, the friendship, the love, the life, everything. We lose everything. See, the punishment for our sin is a spiritual death, an eternity outside of God and his kingdom. However great life may seem right now for you, continuing to go the opposite way to God is the greatest mistake that anybody could ever make. Because in the end, it will cost you everything. There's a story told of a a native uh, American tribe whose chickens were being stolen. And if you are in a native American uh, tribe, the chickens are your stable food. So somebody is nicking the very thing that gives a people group life. And the chief gathered the people together and he announced that they should catch uh, the criminal and that the, uh, the punishment for the criminal is that he would be or she would be publicly flogged in the, in the, around the huts in which they lived. And one day there was a, a commotion. It was in the middle of the night and uh, two people had found uh, the thief and they called for the chief. So the chief of the tribe, he had to get up and was summoned. And to the chief's horror, the person that was brought before him was his son. But he knew that justice needed to be done. He knew what he'd said. He'd said that the person would be uh, placed in the middle of the, uh, of, of the sort of uh, square, that he would be strapped to a post, and that he would be whipped, flogged for stealing the chickens. Justice had to be done. But just as about the son was about to be whipped, what happened was an extraordinary series of events. The chief got up, the chief took off his clothes, and the chief stood and he wrapped his arms round the son and said, you can flog me. And the whip fell on the, on the chief instead of the son. And the chief took the punishment for the son. And God could have left you and me to suffer his punishment and experience an eternity without him. An eternity that we have actually chosen. But because he loves you, Because he loves me, because he loves the people that he made, he didn't. God's son came to earth as a man, 
the man that we call Jesus Christ. He didn't come to live in luxury. He didn't come to rule from a throne. The purpose of him coming to earth was only one thing, and that purpose was for him to die on a cross. His purpose in living in this world was to die in it on what we now call Good Friday. Why would he do that? Well, one of Jesus' friends and a person that he'd walked with through some amazing emotional times, Peter, later explained, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And as that second criminal recognized, it was God's king that was dying on a cross. And as this dying criminal understood, we, the unrighteous, deserve death. But Christ, the righteous, didn't. And yet Christ died for the unrighteous. He would suffer the agony of death instead of those who deserved it. When Jesus died, he took upon himself the punishment of separation from his Father so that you don't have to be separated from him. And on that cross, God took the penalty of our rebellion upon him and died the death that was ours. So we look and we see two reactions and two futures. And we find ourselves in the same actual position as those two criminals on Good Friday, facing a spiritual death that we all deserve. And we will react to Jesus' death in one of two ways. It's exactly the same ways <laughs> that those two criminals reacted. We can look at Christ's cross, Jesus' cross, and we can say, this is utterly irrelevant to me and my situation. This is historic detail. This is something in the past. We can politely ignore. We can laugh and we can mock at Christians. And the idea that this is God's king on earth. We can choose to live our lives our way. We know better, don't we? We've always known better. We can live it by our rules. We can put our standards first. Life in God's world. Living however we want. Well, it's, it's great, isn't it? We can look and feel absolutely fantastic. But ultimately, it's the greatest mistake that you and I can make. It will lead only to a spiritual death and an eternity separated from God and his love and his goodness to you. But there is a second way. And that second way is that the other criminal looked at Jesus and his cross and he saw a different future. And you can too. You can decide not to reject God's king but to ask him to change your eternal future. You can recognize that Jesus was the one who rose from the dead, is really God's son. 
You can accept that you, by nature, are rebellious towards God, your rightful ruler. You can accept that the way that you live leads you deservingly to a spiritual death. And you, but you can ask Jesus to give you a fresh and new start right now. And you can receive a new life that lasts forever right now. Because he died in your place. You can be forgiven for all time for all the things that you have done. And because he rose from the dead, he can give you new life. Because he's merciful and loves you, he doesn't say, well, let's see how this goes for a bit. See whether you keep it up. He said, no. Today you can be in paradise with me. You can receive these gifts today. One day, Jesus' death on a cross. Two, re- two reactions, rejection or recognition. Two outcomes, eternal death or eternal life. Why make a mistake that will cost you everything? Why not recognise that Jesus, that Jesus who rose from the dead, is actually really the Christ? Why not ask this Christ who died so that you don't have to, to give you an undeserved place in his kingdom? Why not hear the crucified Christ say to you, I tell you the truth, when you die, you will be with me in paradise. You see, there's still one day, and that's today. There's still two reactions. There's still two outcomes. But there is one vital decision, and that is yours. And my appeal for you today is make that choice today. What we're going to do next is we're going to sing about Jesus' death and resurrection. And then after that, if you want to respond to what I've said, uh, you will need to do that by, by responding to what you believe that Jesus has done for you. If you want to start a new life following Jesus as your king, then I'm going to pray at the very end of these few songs. And I want you to follow me with the words that I pray. I, want you, I, I, want to, I will pray, you follow me. You know, it isn't just that you're following me. He's, he's wanting to hear from you. He would love to forgive you. He would love to give you eternal life. And if you prayed with me at the end, then what you'll have done is you'll have started, amazingly, a new eternal life with him. You'll need to tell somebody about it. So at the end of me praying with you, what I'd like you to do is uh, come over here and someone will speak to you. And uh, we'll give you a booklet. And actually you'll find everything that I've said in that booklet. Nothing was new. It's the first time that I've ever done anything that's absolutely been scripted. But it was. It's in there. You can have it. And we'll do that with you. And somebody will come and meet with you. 
and tell you and help you to know what you have just done. So what we're going to do is sing, then we're going to, then I'm going to pray. If you want to follow Jesus as your Saviour and Lord, then pray with me. And uh, then you'll need to come with somebody, bring somebody with you and come over to this point. So shall we stand?